0: Hello everyone, hi. Uh, hi, as Pastor Dave um, very kindly said my name is Hannah um, and if you don't know me it's because I've only recently moved to London from Bristol, shout out to ex-Bristol again. <laughs> um, so like Pastor Dave said uh, I normally work for the NHS as, as a junior doctor um, but this past year I took a year out of training uh, and I spent two months in a country called Moldova um, doing a program called Mission Discipleship Training. Um, yes, and that is, that is the flag of Moldova. Um, so I was just hoping to share some of my experiences and share some of the things that God has taught me um, in the hopes that some of it might encourage you, maybe inspire you, I don't know. Um, but before we jump into that, just some basics about Moldova. So next slide please. So Moldova, where? And saw the vacant look in some of your eyes. Uh huh. That was my exact response when I found out where I was going. Didn't know where this country was, didn't know that it existed. Um, but Moldova is a small Eastern European country that's sandwiched in between Romania and the Ukraine. Um, and it only recently became independent after the fall of the Soviet Union about 30 years ago. Um, and it's also one of the poorest countries uh, in Europe. And next slide. So the official language in Romania, uh, sorry, in Moldova is Romanian. Um, So my Romanian is is far from fluent, but I picked up some basic phrases. So, uh, Which translates to the below, you can see. Um, Yeah, so funny story. When I first started practicing my Romanian, um, I was introducing myself saying, Manu hana, yo sunt. China, Which someone only told me one week into it meant that my name is Hannah and I am dinner. So <laughs> I was introducing myself for like that like for a week. So <laughs> I understood the confused looks I was getting. Um, but my Romanian has improved slightly since then. And, and so here are some of my favorite uh, Moldovan traditional foods. So you've got mamaliga, sarmale, and mayonnaise. <laughs> Uh, no joke, super good, actually, the mayonnaise. Um, and Moldovan culture is a little bit like Chinese culture in that food is really important. Um, so it doesn't matter if you're a stranger or a foreigner, they don't know you, people will just cook you like a three course meal just because, you know. Um, so they're very hospitable as a people. <laughs> and I thought I would just stick this one in there. Um, so the toilet situation in Moldova is also quite different from the UK or maybe wherever you're from. Um, but this one was particularly interesting. As you can see, it's got like a carpet on, on the top. I know. I don't know. But just thought I would stick that in there. Um, next slide. So, um, yeah. So moving on to what I actually did there. Um, so I went with an organization called uh, OM. So it stands for Operation Mobilization. And I did a program called MDT. So that stands for Missions Discipleship Training. Um, and so the aim of that program, which um, I was there for two months, is to... Uh, just to learn to know God better, um, to equip and to train people to disciple others, um, and to learn to share the good news in in a cross-cultural context. Um, And so they're the organization that also owns the Logos Hope, the the big floating bookstore. Anyone's familiar? Uh Uh-huh, that's them. So um, this is my team. Um, So as you can see, that's me. And I attended the program with um, five other participants. So they were all German, uh, four girls, one guy. And the rest of the staff is made up from people all over the world. So there's Moldova, the US, uh, the UK, Brazil. Um, yeah, so that was one of the things I think was really special. It was just to live in community with people from all over the world who, who love Jesus. Um, Oh, go back, sorry. <laughs> and that is where I lived for two months. Um, so that's we call the base. So it's basically a big community house and you've got bedrooms on the top, um, but you've also got like a kitchen, a conference room, a dining room, uh, offices. So it's a busy place. Okay. Next slide. So what exactly did I do? So. For half the time that I was um, in Moldova, so we had uh, lectures, so it would cover anything from Romanian language lessons to what is the church and missions, to how do I be a good leader. Um, And the other thing that we learned to do as well is just to learn to live in community with one another. So I shared a room with four of the German girls um, for for two months. Um, And the six of us, we pretty much, we did everything together for those two months. So we worked together, we ate together, we learned together, we laughed, we cried together. Um, and I think, you know, when, when Paul describes the early church in Acts 2, um, I think life kind of looked a little bit like that. And, and I think that was something that was, that's really special. Yeah, really beautiful. Um, and so the other half of the time we would spend uh, going on outreach. So we would go for two or three weeks at a time to different Moldovan villages and we'd partner with the local churches um, and the local pastors um, to serve the community, but also to share the good news. Um, So we would do some practical work sometimes. So one time we demolished this old lady's conservatory, demolished. (laughs) Um, uh, And other times we would go on house visits. So we'd take uh, food packets in the back of our red van, um, just go visit different families. Um, We deliver the food packet, but also just have conversation about life Um, And the last thing that we did, oh, one time we also, instead of delivering food packets, we delivered 100 fully alive chickens in the back, I know, I know. (laughs) Um, And it was all going well, Um, up until the point, they were like, Hannah, Hannah, you haven't had a chance yet, take out the last box of chickens. So I was pulling out the last box of chickens, about 10 chickens in there, and they fell through the bottom. But it's okay, we gathered them all back. They all made it safely, it was fine. Mostly because I didn't do anything after that. But um, yeah, so that was a fun experience. Uh, And the last thing that we would do also is uh, kids programs. So uh, the kids in Moldovan villages don't always get a chance to go to school because there just is no opportunity sometimes. Um, So we'd partner with the the local uh, churches to put together like an hour and a half or two hours program. games, songs, a Bible story, kind of with the aim of just introducing Jesus to these kids, um, but also just doing something that was specifically catered to them because they otherwise wouldn't normally get something like that. Um, Yeah, so that was exhausting, (laughs) but fun too. Um, Yeah, and I think I just learned that Moldovan culture really is quite open um, it's one of those places where you can still just, you know, strike out a conversation with a random stranger, and that's considered acceptable. Um, like this, this man that we went to visit, on one of our house visits, he realized that we wanted to ride in a horse cart because, you know, we're tourists. Um, so he, he hitched up his horse, and he put eight of us in this rickety cart, and just did a few laps up and down the street, you know. Um, yeah, I was a bit afraid for my life. But, he, yeah, he, they were very open, very hospitable people. Um, so I'd just like to share a few more stories as well um, from some of the house visits that we did and some of the people that I met. Um, so house visits are always really interesting because you never know uh, who you're going to meet and what their story is going to be. Um, so a typical house visit, we would take the food packet, like I said, um, to try and meet some of their practical needs. But, but also if they invited us in, uh, we would just, you know, have a chat. And if there was an opportunity to share about Jesus, we'd also try and do that um, and to pray for them as well. Um, so the first story that I want to share is of um, this bunica. So bunica in Romanian means grandmother or granny. Um, so one morning we were doing street evangelism. Um, so we were just you know walking around praying um, and we came across this bunica who was just sitting in her yard. It was about noon, so I think maybe she was taking a break. Um, so we asked across the gate if she would like to come and talk to us uh, and she did. And she started to share about how actually she did know Jesus. Um, and she used to sing in the choir in her church. But because of health issues, and because she didn't have any close family members, um, yeah, she wasn't able to go to church for however many years. Um, and she seemed kind of sad when she said that. Uh, but we so we talked to her and we prayed with her. But, but then we had to go. Um, But as we were walking away, as we were leaving, uh, Anna, who's one of my friends and I, we just had this feeling that we should should go back um, after her day had ended um, and just try and do church with her. Um, I think we were told that potentially that might be an awkward situation because, you know, having 10 or 15 foreigners in your front yard might be a little bit intimidating for some people. but we prayed about it, we talked about it with the team, and we decided to step out in faith, we decided to do it. Um, So we came back with the rest of our team after our day had finished, and yeah, thankfully she was happy to see us, and she invited us in, Um, and so we were able to sing some songs with her, and to share the Bible with her, and just remind her that God had not forgotten her, um, and that because we are part of the same family because of Jesus, that she wasn't really alone, um, yeah, and she yeah, she started to cry um, but I think I learned through that experience that when we listen to the Holy Spirit and when we obey what He says, um, not only are we able to be a blessing, but oftentimes we are much more blessed in return yeah. um, and the second story that I want to share is of uh, this ex-teacher that we came to know through, uh, again, one of the local brothers. Um, She used to be a teacher, but because of health conditions, I think probably some sort of neuromuscular degenerative type thing, Um, but she could no longer uh, walk or talk. Um, So basically she was bed-brown. And so I just remember walking into her house and she was just sitting there and she was kind of looking at us just quite vacantly Um, so we introduced ourselves, we brought the food packet, you know, explained that we were here to give her some food. Um, and yeah, we just started to share again that God had seen all that she invested in her students, um, that God had also not forgotten her. Um, and we, we started to share as well about the hope, you know, that we can have both with this life, um, but also for the life after. Um, yeah. And she also started to cry, um, well, I think more to weep, I guess, you know, the kind of crying that comes from a very sort of deep pain. Um, yeah, and that made me cry too. But um, yeah, I think I was, I was partially consoled by the fact that I knew that the church would come back and visit her and take care of her. Um, yeah, and the last story that I want to share is of a lady that we worked with actually um, for a couple of days in one of the villages. So. She was one of the first believers in her village. Um, And Moldovan Orthodox culture is a little bit like, sometimes like Muslim culture, so you can face a lot of opposition and persecution for following Jesus. Um, And so when she first became a believer, um, her husband was, yeah, he was not happy. Um, And he also has a problem with alcohol addiction, which is quite common in Moldovan villages, especially where there's a lot of poverty. Um, So, one time when he was really drunk, he he made as if to to strangle her, Um, but, yeah, she said in that moment that she told him that she would leave him, but she would never leave Jesus, Um, and so he stopped. Um, So she continued to pray for him, and also her mother, who had kind of disowned her at this point. Um, And she continued to open her house to the missionary pastor that was coming to do Bible study um, for that village. Um, And very long story short, um, eight years later, uh, both her husband and her mother are supposed to be baptized this summer. Uh, Yeah, I know. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Praise God. Praise God. Um, And I think I was just really overwhelmed and sort of convicted as well by... her persistence and her perseverance in in obedience and in prayer and that she really did believe that Jesus was worth giving everything up for even her relationships her life everything Um, yeah and so yeah God has been very gracious in um, allowing me to experience so much and just to hear some of these stories Um, But I just want to share maybe four of my biggest takeaways. Um, So the first one is that, yeah, the stories that I've told you about these people that I've met, um, they're, they're normal people, you know, (laughs) they're like, they're like you and me, if you met them, you wouldn't think that there was anything particularly different. But I think what does make them different is that they, they listen to God. And when they listen, they obey. Um, and not only are they obedient at one time, but they are obedient day after day, from the big to the small, um, even when it's, you know, sometimes difficult and sometimes you have to sacrifice things. But they do it faithfully. Um, and the second thing is that, yeah, living in community is is a beautiful thing, you know? Um, learning to love one another, to walk in vulnerability with one another, to encourage and to challenge and to learn from one another um, yeah, I totally get now why Jesus says in John 13 that, that other people will know that we are his disciples by the way we love one another, because it is, it is extraordinary, you know? It doesn't really exist very much elsewhere outside of, of that context. Um, and I was really blessed to be able to experience some of that. Um, and the third thing is that, yeah, whether or not you believe in God, I think you can agree that there's a lot of brokenness that exists in our world, you know. Um, and I truly do believe that Jesus is the answer. The person of Jesus Christ is the answer. So, so whether it's taking the good news of, of life, of hope, of restoration, of redemption, it, yeah, it can't be some fun optional experience that we sometimes dabble in when we want to. You know, it, there, there are consequences for not living out in obedience what Jesus says in Matthew 28, both, both for us, but also for, for other people. Yeah. Um, I think the last thing that I really rediscovered is just that living in relationship with God is just, yeah, it's amazing, it's the best. <laughs> living in fellowship with his people, learning yeah. to love reading his word. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so worth it. And I, I don't know that I live my life fully, um, right now like Jesus is worth giving everything up for but I think I want to start to learn to do that um, because I think that he is and when he says that he is worth giving everything up for because he gives you himself in return yeah I don't I don't think that he lies <laughs> um, so yes um, if you'd like to chat about anything that I have said um, yeah feel free to feel free to come up to me I'm more than happy um so Mutsmas Pantru Atensi, she duamnas of So thank you for your listening and God bless you.